most of my significant writing that I do comes just after sleep, in the wee hours of the morning usually. And it's when I get my boldest and most interesting ideas. Scientifically, I, I've read that as we all know, there's a difference, right, between our conscious alertness, which is where hopefully everybody is right now, <laughs> versus what we feel like when we've just initially woken up in that daisy state of just coming out of sleep. But that is not a time to ignore or to push our way through. This is very important. And it's why some people actually keep dream journals by their bed. Does anyone do that here? I, yeah, exactly. I have, yeah, it's Noah too. It's something I have, I don't use that often, but I try to make sure that it's available just in case. I highly recommend this and I'll explain why. Because it gives us the opportunity to take advantage of the ideas that come out of our sleep. And they, these ideas have the benefit of not having to go through all of your filters that push aside your biggest thoughts. In other words, often, you're too sleepy in these moments to say, oh no, that's just crazy. Oh no, I can't do that. Oh no, I tried that before or something like it, but I can't do this. That kind of negative thinking and negative energy often will then set in. And once our rational mind kind of takes over, that winds up taking over too, that negativity. But in that liminal space between asleep and awake, the negative voices really don't, haven't had a chance to wake up just yet, and you can act in advance of them. This is a beautiful, beautiful time. In other words, I believe that this is a time when you're closest to God in those moments between sleep and awake. But what do you do with this? What do we do with our dreams? And before I go on, I just want to acknowledge that I know that some of us don't remember our dreams. I know some people who are like, I don't even dream. <laughs> so I, I wanna say, of course, I know that happens. But, and most of the time I don't dream either. It's not necessarily about the dream, it's about the space. That's what I would like to, to acknowledge. We all wake up. But it is a time when we can start the day with intention. And if you, my challenge to you and to me too, because I don't always do this, is to set aside three minutes to reflect on something big or positive before you can talk yourself out of it. And if you can, write it down so you'll remember. That's my recommendation and that's my own challenge I'm giving myself because when I have the discipline enough to do that, it's how I'm best able to break down the cycles of negativity in my own head. And those really can take over. That time, that liminal space is your blessing time. Okay, so with that in mind, let me tell you a little bit about Joseph. Joseph, as I said, is Jacob, who is also known as Israel, Israel's favorite son because he was the firstborn son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel, and their courtship is legendary, but that's a story for another day. And from the story we heard today out of Genesis 37, we see that Jacob is shameless in his favoritism of Joseph. 
Not only does he give Joseph what we today call the technicolor dream coat, but, uh, and that of course bugs his brothers, but it's way bigger than that as well. Jacob starts messing with his other son's inheritance. And see, these sons were actually older than Joseph, and they had their own duties and their own livestock to manage, and that is wealth, okay? But then Jacob was starting to have Joseph serve as an overseer of his older brothers. This isn't done, and it's not going to feel right. So that, it's their estate, and he's infringing on it. And that threw off tradition. I mean, I don't know if any of you are as obsessed with the stories of dynastic succession, like the Tudors and everything, but who's born first and all that matters, right? So we want to pay attention to that because that also mattered in the Bible. But Joseph is the youngest son, and this gets serious enough, obviously, that his brothers start to plot to kill him. I mean, that's pretty serious. And, spoiler alert, failing that, they then sell him off into slavery, enslavement, in Egypt. It was that bad. And then, within all of that internecine conflict, here comes Joseph telling his brothers about a dream. Truth be told, almost nobody wants to hear about your dreams. I mean, when I start to tell people about my dreams, they kind of like start to tune out. I never preach on this. <laughs> But I also know that when I'm reading like a novel or something and they go into a dream sequence, I'm like, oh, I can't stand it. I don't know. Anyone else with me on that one? Yeah, exactly. I just, ugh, drives me nuts. Another story again. But they for darn sure, people for darn sure don't want to hear about any dreams where you become their ruler. <laughs> They're their so uh, sovereign and they have to be subjugates. Nobody wants to hear you're about to come and bow down to me. That's just never gonna be a good conversation. And especially if they already hate you. So you see, Joseph was poor at reading the room. But here's why I wanted to read this story together in this season of Epiphany, when we're examining signs and wonders in our own lives. It is possible for God to give you a vision, but if you're not ready for that vision, you might do things all wrong. Joseph's response to his early dreams reflected his spiritual immaturity. He ran the vision through his own filters of selfishness and greed and immaturity. And did you notice that nowhere in Joseph's telling of that story did he mention God? And that's an issue especially in the Bible, right? <laughs> because he read that dream with a very human, but a very ego-driven power analysis that left God out. And here's a pro tip. When you or I leave God out of your visioning, there are gonna be consequences, folks. Hopefully not as drastic as Joseph's, but my point with this is that we can and do receive signs and wonders, and we can dream the dreams. But sometimes we haven't yet done the work to be ready for them. 
And throughout this epiphany season, I've been trying to convince you that there are already signs and wonders, your own personal revelations right in front of you in your life from God, and they're all around you. You just need to hone the filters to be able to see them, to build the lens to see it. And a whole bunch of you, it's kind of like when you go to the eye doctor and they switch those lenses across. What you are doing is acting as your own eye doctor in this spiritual practice. Does that make sense? And a bunch of you, after some of these sermons that I've had, like a lot of you, more, I've gotten more feedback on this than anything else I've ever preached on. Um, a lot of you are saying some version of, okay, great, pastor, but I've been asking God for a sign on this or that specific issue, and these are usually for very, very important things in your lives. I want to acknowledge that and not minimize it at all. But anyway, you'll say, well, great, Pastor, that's all well and good, and I'm looking so hard, but I'm not seeing the signs. I am putting everything into seeing the signs, but I've got these things, and I've got these questions, and God is not answering them, and this is a serious matter that deserves some time. And I'm going to get right to the point on how I personally understand this and apply this in my own life. We just don't get to pick what revelations God gives us. It just doesn't work that way. God is always going to be answering a question in your life, but it might not be the question that you're asking. The question God is answering, however, is the right one to ask. You may not want to hear it, but that is true. And when we step back from shaping the kinds of revelations that we're looking to receive, then that is when we are open to knowing about the miracles that are happening. And that's what I want us to all embrace and to understand. We're not good. Well, sorry, we are good. We are not God. We cannot tell God what to do. But we can and we should ask God anything, anything, even Jesus on the cross. Ask my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You can ask God anything. It is okay. God can take it. And Jesus modeled it. It's part of your life of faith and mine. It's okay. I want to say that again. It is okay. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions that you don't want to say out loud. God can take it, and it's better to be in conversation with God about it than not, okay? But there's good news in all this, because when we train our eyes to see the signs and wonders that God is already sending us when we didn't even ask for them, that's when we start to learn to ask the same questions that God is already answering. And that brings, that's where our peace comes. Okay, so how, right? And here's my answer, and it's relatively simple. Just start with gratitude. The thank you part of your prayer life might just need to be the place where you spend the most time. Because not only does it give God what God is due, but it also retrains your brain. It feeds your soul. It helps to silence some of your inner critic 
which is usually the biggest obstacle to anything in your life. And when you focus first on what's right, you spend less time worrying about what's wrong. And a lot can be wrong. I do want to acknowledge that. I know that. I know some of you really are struggling. And I know it's hard. And yes, of course, like I said, you turn to God in your prayer and frustration about it because God can take it. But if you linger there too long, you're going to miss the blessings that are already there in your life. And the easiest way to fix this is to have the discipline to have some laser focus on what is happening right at a moment, right now, in a moment of gratitude. Right now. Like right now, I mean right this second where you're online and you're in this room. Right now you are sitting or standing in a place where the people around you have committed to loving you no matter what, that's true in this room for sure. And that is a blessing. Right now, you're thinking, okay, what do I have to be grateful for? Even that question starts to shift things in your mind. That is a blessing. Right now, you are learning more about the faith that you have chosen to follow and give your life to. That right there is a blessing. Do you see what I mean? Like, even no matter what, you may not know where the rent money is going to come from. You may not even know where the next meal will come from. But you do still have blessings. And we have to pull both. And right now, I hope you're warm. And if you're hungry, you won't need to be if you're here because we will feed you here. Of course, a different frame will show real, real challenges. I know it, and I'm right with you. But here and now, you are tangibly blessed. And when we challenge ourselves to keep looking for these blessings, our lens changes. And it opens up a space to see the signs and wonders in those blessings that are already there. And that's how we build the muscle, that spiritual maturity, to be able to handle the bigger visions that we want. Because if we're not ready, and if we don't know where our blessings come from, and if we're not practiced in seeing God's place in all of this, then we can make the very same mistakes as young Joseph, who just wasn't ready for his visions. But the good news, he didn't have to be. God had him anyway. Same for you. God's not dependent on you understanding the revelation in order to continue the blessings coming and to give you what it takes to be able to get there. It's okay. You do not need to be perfect. But you can do your part to be ready to be ready. And God is already doing God's part. So now we do ours. In Jesus' name, amen. 
thank you so much for joining us for this element of worship. We are so grateful that you have entrusted the park with this moment to hear music, to listen to the word of God, whatever it may be. And we just ask for your support. The park only functions with the generous donations of people like you. And 100% of your donation goes to the incredible ministries of this church, which give and give and give again. Thank you for the ways that you give in advance and for all that you might be ready to give in the future. God bless you and amen. <laughs>